The Tom Woods Show, episode 1438. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, as you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been spreading some pretty terrible ideas, and she's wrong on just about everything. Well, I've put together the definitive smash of all of it. The Green New Deal, affordable housing, so-called free college, high tax rates. It's in another free ebook, yes, a free ebook called AOC is Wrong, the Upside Down World of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Grab your free copy at AOCIsWrong.com. Hey everybody, Tom Woods here. I've got Tho Bishop here with me. I mean, Lou Rockwell is a hero, but you can ask only so much from a person. I just did not have the heart to say, Lou, you need to watch two straight nights worth of presidential debates for two hours a night and then come on here with notes and discuss it with me. I mean, really. Could you wish that on your worst enemy? So I wasn't going to do that to poor Lou Rockwell. So given that we're doing two debates at once, I thought, let's talk to Tho Bishop, who's got a really well-developed political sense and writes a lot about it. He was deputy communications director for the House Financial Services Committee. He is assistant editor of the Mises Wire over at Mises.org, the website of the Mises Institute. And he is with me right now. Tho, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for having me, Tom. It's actually the second time you've been on. But this time, we're talking about something that a lot of people tune in for. And as I said yesterday, it's so funny to hear how apolitical all my folks out there pretend to be. But I don't believe you because I see the download numbers and you're all listening to these debate analysis episodes. So you can't look away, can you? So we we looked at the debate last night that had more uh, high-profile candidates in it. Uh, particularly, obviously, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and so-called Mayor Pete among them. So it, in some ways, it's the more newsworthy of the two debates. The The key takeaway from the first debate was, the I think, the twofold takeaway that Elizabeth Warren is more or less the establishment anointed one among those, uh, and maybe even overall at this point. But secondly, that Tulsi Gabbard, if you give her a chance to talk, people are very interested in, in her. Judging from the Google search results during the debate, that, that was very interesting to see. Uh, did you watch the first debate, though? I did. I did. I, I'm not one of those poli- uh, libertarians that could pretend not to be interested in politics. I, I love the theater. I love the circus of it all. Uh, yeah. And round, round two, I mean, that was the fun one. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of punches being thrown. Uh, of course, it helped. We had nine unhinged individuals plus Marianne Williamson, uh, my favorite on the stage last night. Uh, yeah, Oprah's okay, so spiritual advisor. Right, right, right. We're gonna have to. <laughs> I'm gonna give you some time to talk about Marianne Williamson, but let's start with the issue that would be on everybody's mind, which is Joe Biden. Yes. Now, yesterday, or the you know episode 1437, I had Lou Rockwell on. You, you probably know Lou yeah, a little I, bit. Yeah, I've heard the name. You've heard the name. And he was saying he did not think Joe Biden was going to get the nomination. And I, I didn't know what to think about that because I just assumed he would because he's got he's going to have a lot of money. He's, he's the establishment guy and all that. But the trouble with him, we were thinking going into this second debate, was that when he's been on the campaign trail, he's not been that impressive. He's been stumbling, slurring not making sense sometimes. And he just, you know, from a superficial point of view, he looks a lot older yeah. than people remember him as vice president. So he does have some factors working against him. So last night, you and, and, and incidentally, I think he went into that debate last night uh, not aiming to win, but just aiming not to lose. Right, 
But that was have, the attitude that came through. So yeah, what did you think about his performance? Oh, absolutely. He didn't have the luxury. Like the first night, right, Elizabeth Warren won because she wasn't taken down by anyone. Uh, but Biden didn't have that sort of luxury last night for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, but the, the problem is, is that, and, and I agree with Lou 100%, I, I think Biden never really had a shot to win the nomination in this Democratic Party. Uh, the only strength he had going for him is the fact that the Democratic Party is the least Democratic party in the United States. Uh, and, and, you know, it's so insider controlled. I mean, that's the only hope that Biden had. But as soon as the American people remembered that he wasn't the Onion character, uh, that, you know, the, Uncle Joe washing his Camaro on the White House lawn, I, it, it's this entire like that is what sold Biden as a likable guy. Outside of that, he's been a complete loser in national politics. I mean, you know, never been particularly relevant in any of his past attempts to get the White House. And all of his weaknesses were put on display last night in a big, big way. One is that like his his greatest strengths, right, are supposed to be, oh, well, his connection to the still very popular, um, you know, on the Democratic side, Obama administration and his long experience. Well, he was getting some punches with you know, the Eric Swalwell, you know, the, the millennial on stage, is, you know, seemed to be the only reason he was there. Uh, you know, he had the, the little line about, oh, well, you know, 36 years ago, Joe Biden was talking about passing the torch, and you know, it's about time to pass the torch. Uh, so you're actually you're using the fact that he has all of this experience against them, uh, and and again, visually, he looked. He, he looked his age. Uh, so that was definitely working against him. And then Warren coming in, or uh, uh, Kamala Harris coming in and attacking him on the segregation issue. Not only his, his record on busing, but you know some of his recent comments that he himself made unprovoked. Um, you know, the, the guy's just a gaff machine. You know, he looked totally out of touch, especially with this modern Democratic Party. And, and it was interesting seeing like, you know, he was trying to take credit for, oh, well, we fixed all these issues with the Obama administration. And then he was trying to hide from some of the Obama stuff in terms of deportation. And then, oh, well, no, we want to change the healthcare system to do what Obamacare didn't do. Um, you know, he's trying to have it both ways and just simply isn't clever enough to have it anyway. Uh, and I, I think you're going to end up seeing from this point on him falling in the polls, uh, I've I've always had on predictit.org, you know, the, 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 the political stock market game. I've been shorting Biden every chance that it's it's you know you've been able to make some money on that. Uh, just because he's he's this is not an old white guy party anymore. Uh, and, and last night's debate, I think, is just the beginning of the pain for uh for, for what the former vice president's going to face. I thought it was surprising that Biden would have been so poorly prepared yeah. for what was surely an attack to be expected. Oh, yeah. Right? You had to know that was coming. Yeah, they, they and he has no glib response? Yeah. And what's remarkable is it's not simply the fact that he got punches from someone like Kamala Harris. I mean, Kamala Harris has spent her entire life dreaming of the day that she could be in this position, right? So it's it's no surprise at all that she was going for his neck. It was the, the moderators that were going after him. I mean, the knives were out from, you know, all the debate moderators— gave outside of Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, he got some of the hardest questions thrown his way. Rachel Maddow had to correct a, a Bernie on another thing. But for the most part, I mean, he, they, they put him on the defensive, even from the questioning stage. And the commentary afterwards, which in some ways is just as important from the debate, because, you know, the, the normie political people out there that you know, actually have their opinion changed based on the debate, it's as much as what they hear afterwards, being told what they should think, uh, the the NBC analysis afterwards was just as bad as as we saw it. 
so again, I, I think that he is, you know, we, we've seen the peak for, for Joe Biden, I think, at this point. On the busing issue, by the way, he was trying to make a fairly technical point that what he wasn't against busing per se. He was right. trying to say, I was against busing directed by the Department of Education, but he right. wasn't against busing per se. But the thing is, even if he were against busing per se, you know, I think, well, I don't know, given the modern Democratic Party, I don't know, you know, who knows, but right. they do have a lot of independence to appeal to. And he could say, look, at this point, for heaven's sake, even the New York Times, even the NAACP, a majority of black parents as time went on have all said this was a failure. This was a bad idea. This isn't some crazy right wing thing for me to say. This is what everybody admits now, that if you really wanted to bring about as much racial misunderstanding and hostility as you could, you would basically break up neighborhoods, break up local patriotisms, send people 90 minutes each way on a bus to a place where they're going to be hated and ostracized. That would be what you would do. And what you would further accomplish would be to simply have the wealthy white folks move four hours away from the city so that they're far too, it's just impractical to bust them. And so now what you've accomplished is you have even, you don't have a single majority white public school population in any major American city, that's a direct result of this kind of policy. If that's what you, that's because they've all fled right. so that you couldn't do this to them. That's, you think of that as a success? Well, how could you think of that as everybody knows this failed? He can't even say that. He can't say it because, well, in his case, it's not fully true. But secondly, you can't even state a fact. That's just a fact in, uh, in the modern Democratic Party. Right. No, I'm sorry. You know, this, this is some of the, the best Joe moments was him you know, talking about the dangers of federal overreach, you know, and and, and treading over a, a local rule. I mean, it's but, uh, but again, yeah, that, that just doesn't fly within the modern Democratic Party. And of course, he walked into I mean, Kamala Harris was just just waiting for that, given her story about, oh, she was part of the second generation of students that were desegregated in California schools. You know, so she, it set up perfectly for what she wanted to do. And again, it just the fact that Biden thinks that he can win over by explaining away with with nuance and substance these emotional attacks that his opponents are, are going to throw at him. Again, he, he is just not built for the modern age. And and I mean, this is something that Michael Malice has brought up several times: is that Biden's ability to ablib is awful. And you saw that with kind of the torch question, because like Joe said, oh, I still haven't given up that torch. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly the point that he was making, right? He doesn't have the ability to react quickly when he no. gets, you know, in those those spots. And again, like in this sort of news cycle, when, when, when especially when you are playing the role of lead dog, you're not going to be able to survive long if you can't react. I mean, he's, he's low energy, uh, Jeb Bush 2.0. In fact, even on Twitter, where I'm sure naturally he has to have a social media team running it for him, there was a time a couple of months ago when the Biden groping was big in the news. Right. And Trump tweeted out this image of, yes. you know, of, of Biden groping people. And it was, you know, it was the media called it a doctored photo or a doctored video, which is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously a joke. What do you think? People thought it was real. Right. I mean, how ridiculous can you be? But Biden's response to this was something along the lines of, oh, I see you're, as usual, maintaining the dignity of the office. So you're going to come up with a wet blanket, right. serioso response instead of something funny? That calls for a funny response. He can't even hire people who could come up with a funny response. Right. Like, he can't even hire people to come up with funny responses. Right. Yeah, not good. Not looking good for him. 
So let's uh, let's go on to some other candidates. Let's pick out, let's say, one of the outlying candidates okay. because you you uh, I just saw you send or on Facebook you reproduced one of her tweets um, as I was coming up the elevator to get here to talk to you, um, Marianne Williamson. Yes, tell us who she is and uh, what her performance last night was like. Well, she has now skyrocketed to number two on my big board as far as people that I would trust with running this great country. You know, Tulsi's number one. Love, love her. Um, but yes, Marianne Williamson, Oprah's spiritual advisor, best-selling author, a big fan of healing crystals. Um, you know, get Medicare for all is reactionary. Healing crystals for all is both progressive and revolutionary. I, I am digging the vibes that she is bringing to this campaign. Um, what's interesting is that she ended up actually speaking more than Andrew Yang, uh, almost had twice the amount of, of speaking time. It's by the fact, I mean, it was like, it's, they refused to like even acknowledge her until halfway through, which I understand. I mean, she's not one of the more serious candidates on the stage, but, um, what's interesting is she had one great line that should make every ANCAP out there heart go a flutter, which is that, uh, even if the government does it, it is still a crime. Now, she was referring to some of the immigration enforcement stuff that's been going on, uh, but that line was great. Like, she, she won me over with that. You know, her whole thing is, oh, we're going to send out good vibes, uh, and that's the way that we're going to uh, rebuild our foreign policy, which, hey, you know, I could get behind with that. Um, you know, she, she was not bringing – and she also kind of showed a – a great understanding of modern politics where she said, oh, we keep talking about these plans, these great plans, whatever. Well, Trump didn't have a plan. You know, Trump didn't need any white papers. You know, he just came out there and said, I'm going to make America great again. And her point was that we could learn from that and we need to have like this larger message that can resonate with the populace. And she was absolutely correct. I mean, I, I, was, uh, I was stunned. She was, I thought, the most intelligent person on the stage. And she has a long history of tweets that just keep on giving you know, we're all just uh, just just laser beams in this, uh, or we're all uh, space stations full of laser beams. I don't know. It's great. I just hope there is more of her because the more people with like the sort of experience that she has, uh, that is, I think, better off for the country than you know this these group of generic senators and governors and, and these Congress people that really have nothing to offer. At least make it enjoyable. And so, Marianne Williamson and Cap Queen. Uh, that is, uh, she, she was definitely one of my personal highlights from last night. I did not enjoy one bit of any of this, but <laughs> I will say that if I was trying to put myself in the shoes of a voter who is, let's say, innocent of any, uh, you know, is not knowledgeable of any uh, right. advanced libertarian theory and just takes this all at face value, that these are all public spirited people with plans to make the country better. That's the, that's all they're thinking about. And I thought which one would be most impressive to me. And to me, it was so-called Mayor Pete, this mm -hmm. Pete Buttigieg. Yes. I thought he was, I th first of all, he's very young. Right. So it's important for him to come off as being very measured and in control of himself. And he can't be having outbursts. He can't look like a child, basically. Right. And he has to seem knowledgeable and sober and confident. And I thought he accomplished all of those things. Uh, he even tried to sound reasonable and moderate in some of his positions. He would say, look, there's no problem with right. having a private sector in, in healthcare. Right. What I'm saying is blah, blah, blah. So he's, I'm not saying I would want to vote for this guy. I mean, right. do, do I even need to add right. that? Right. right. But I thought his delivery and his persona 
and I thought all of that worked really well. What was your impression? Oh, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, you know, with these debates, like, you know, no one's going to win the the primary with the first debate, but you can lose it. And especially someone like Mayor Pete, because you know, he, he just had a really bad week in terms of how his response was to a police shooting. And you know, he was asked about that uh, last night. And, you know, his response, I thought, was you know, as best as you could, you know, being put in that situation on national television. You know, he, he didn't avoid responsibility. You know, he, he was very articulate and outlining all the things that steps that he took and his government took to try to prevent these sort of incidents from happening. You know, he sounded very competent. He sounded intelligent. He, he had his own little minor, uh, a little bit of, of Spanish that uh, sounded better than uh, what Beto O'Rourke could, uh, could muster on the first night. Uh, he even evoked God, which is not something you hear often in a, uh, a democratic debate these days. Uh, you know, if as far as that, and I think especially if we end up seeing Biden going down, those moderate uh, Democrats are going to try to rally, rally around someone. Buttigieg has already proven to be a very good fundraiser. He raised, uh, he's raising more money out of Massachusetts than Elizabeth Warren is. We'll see if that changes after her performance the first night. But I mean, this is a guy that is raising the sort of money low key, kind of similar to what Obama did in 2008. Yeah, this past week, there were a lot of of he was he was getting attacked from left wing outlets for the first time really since he announced his campaign. We'll see if his performance last night kind of stabilized it. But I think in terms of just sheer intelligence uh, within that group, I think he definitely seemed to be the brightest bulb out there. So yeah, I, I think he had a very good night. I think he gets he gets one of the tickets that kind of keeps his campaign going on going forward. Uh, kind of similar to Cory Booker the first night. Uh, Castro the first night. You know, these people that's kind of been that mid-tier hasn't really broken out yet in the polls, but I think this is the sort of performance he can build on. And the problem is, is that his his whole history that like his father had a, has a kind of some interesting kind of more hardcore communist stuff than his relatively moderate background as a you know small town red state mayor uh, would lead you on to be. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of presents itself later on. But uh, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think in terms of the sort of people that you could take seriously as an individual, I think he was one of the few last night that really uh, stood out in that regard. Let's hold off till the end on overall winners and losers. Okay. And, and not even on, let's say, who won or who lost, but like, in other words, whose prospects are improved and, and whose prospects are not improved. So I will get to the So, So I, I want to bring up Bernie. And I know that, you know, I know what your opinion of right. his prospects after this mm-hmm. debate, but let's hold that off for a minute. Okay. What I want to talk about is specifically is uh, he was asked about, they were talking about whether the Democratic Party and the idea of socialism, Mm -hmm. if that mix is good electorally or if that's going to hurt them. Now, there's this Hickenlooper character who thinks that that is going to hurt them. uh, And of course, Bernie doesn't think it is. So he was asked about this. And his answer about electability and stuff was to say, well, look, the most recent poll has me 10 points ahead of Trump. So why are we even talking about this? But I was... I just had lunch with Michael Malice today, and I was saying to him that I kind of, even though I'm not in any way sympathetic with Bernie, I could not be more out of sympathy with him. Right. Still, I would have cheered if he had said something like, well, look, I'll tell you what doesn't work. We could run a Hillary clone. We could run a clone of the loser we had in 2016 who is unsound on everything that matters to us, who's wobbly when it comes to war. Oh, yeah, he'll apologize eight years later. Well, that a lot of good that does us. I mean, we could we could do that. We could take somebody who has who's generating no energy at all among the the grassroots, 
everybody is bored with. Well, we could do that. Uh, or we could say, look, the whole system is corrupt and broken, and we're going to take it apart piece by piece and put it back together in a way that actually benefits people. Right. I, I wish he had said that, frankly, because even though I that would have scared the bejesus out of me, it's still, you know, at least it would have shown some life. It would have shown that we're tired of the establishment wing of our party. That would at least added some zing to the proceedings. No, absolutely. And and I think this is kind of where, where Bernie kind of finds himself in, in this weird situation where he's now been around as a a national figure in a way that he was not before for the last four years. And so, you know, he, he's kind of lost his edge, right? You know, he's, he's you know, especially on, on a stage with, with a lot of the extreme opinions that we saw last night, you know, he, he doesn't, he can't, he doesn't really have that same outsider cred uh, in, in part because the Democrats needed to bring him out for campaign purposes and kind of, of uh, culturally appropriated his likeness for a lot of things just to kind of build their own base. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think just, just throwing out poll numbers, I mean, you know, perhaps that helps appeal to some of the pragmatics out there. And it has been interesting to see the overlap because, again, you know, in, in political punditry, right, I mean, you, you never have to – take responsibility for bad analysis because so we always get these repeated things of, oh you know just you know we need to be appealing to to uh the moderates and and you know extremist candidates can't win well these same people are telling us oh well obviously like, the biden and bernie wings are the two polar opposites within this primary but what we've actually seen is that there's been a tremendous amount of overlap between biden supporters and bernie supporters now part of that might simply be name recognition Right, you know, even you have a bunch of people they've never heard, seen on a national stage, whatever that, that plays a role. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it comes from that working class, blue, you know, blue collar, you know, white middle America sort of appeal that both at their best, Joe and Biden have have shown. But yeah, you know, he, he kind of lost his. If, if he's not the out, the, the extreme with on on the Democratic stage, I don't know what. You know how he's going to energize people the same way he did in 2016, and and his answer to that question, I think, kind of was a reflection of, of what I saw throughout the night last night. All right, before we continue, I want to point out that I think a lot of people find watching this stuff stressful and annoying to contemplate any of these people being in charge of, frankly, anything. And among my listeners, I have a lot of people who endure a lot of stress. I've got homeschooling parents, I've got businessmen, I've got entrepreneurs, I've got political activists, and I think I have just the solution for you. An amazing meditation app called Simple Habit. These are meditations that help with specific problems in your life. So you're nervous about a big meeting at work or parenting issues or whatever. It's not about teaching you to meditate just because it's good for you in some generic sense. You don't have to sit in a lotus position with your eyes closed in a dark room for 30 minutes. It's nothing like that. These are short meditations you can consume in five minutes while you're walking down the street or washing dishes or whatever. I tried it myself, and it makes a big, big difference, and you owe it to yourself to give it a shot. Simple Habit has over 65,000 five-star reviews. You can get hundreds of meditations for free. With the premium membership, you get thousands. And my first 50 listeners to take the offer can take 30% off the premium subscription. How do you do that? Head over to simplehabit.com slash woods and you can get 30% off their premium subscription. That's simplehabit.com slash woods. Let's talk about um, your views of Andrew Yang, mm -hmm. but particularly if he stood out at all last night. Yeah, I think Yang was actually extremely disappointing. It's someone who I, I find all of the the especially like the, the the Generation Z political culture stuff, the memes, all that sort of very interesting. And the, the Yang gang 
social media story, I think is, is very interesting and actually in many ways as frightening as anything out there. Because uh, he's kind of been able to build this larger demographic appealing to a lot of young, former Trump types, a lot, a lot of new right types. And basically, a lot of this online culture has been attracted to this accelerationist argument that basically there's nothing that we can do to fix the government that we have. So we might as well vote for the guy that's going to give us $1,000 a month, no questions asked. Let's secure the bag. And then, you know, once we have once we have secured the bag, then we can spend the money on, you know, whatever we want to spend it on uh, and, and live our, write it out until it all goes goes uh, falls apart. The problem is that uh, he showed no energy last night. He he didn't he he didn't create any moment that you can meme, which is terrible for a meme candidate. Uh, he didn't. He, he says his mic was cut off. I don't know, but he he had a total of three minutes speaking time, by far the least amount of anyone on the stage. He didn't do a good job of handling the UBI question when it came to him. He didn't have the opportunity to mention any of his other interesting subjects. Like he he did a, a great interview with Camille Foster uh, where he talked about some of his views on education. And there's a lot there that that I think he would actually, there's some solid stuff though. There's a lot that, that him and Camille Foster's, you know, libertarian himself, they, they would have found some, com- they found some common ground there. Uh, there was just a total lack of energy. And so I'm interested to see, uh, and he also found himself, you know, if he's going out there and saying, oh, we're going to have open borders. Oh, we're going to have free healthcare for everyone. And oh, everyone's going to get $1,000. Then I think even the people that could get behind the UBI as sort of a, a more practical form of, of the welfare state or, or the way, practical way of dealing with automation. I mean, that math really quickly doesn't add up. So I, I I think that he has done nothing for himself to try to help. Uh, I think there's going to be more of a Marianne Williamson meme magic going on and, and less Andrew Yang going forward, uh, which is a shame because, again, his, his campaign, I, I think the accelerationist, the very, the very nihilistic sort of worldview that, that kind of makes people attract to him is, is kind of dangerous. But the memes were good, and I'm always good for – always happy with a good meme. But uh, Yeah, who isn't? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's think now about overall winners and losers then. And by the way, I had the same impression of Yang. I, I thought – this was his opportunity, yeah. and he's pretty well spoken, and he's going to be different from the others. And yeah, so yeah. he was bragging right. about his debate skills before. Like he, he, he tweeted, right. oh, I, was, "I was a world." It's like no, like you just, you could, yeah, it's low energy. But you know what? But the thing is, he may be talking about like the debate team in high school. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. Th- this, you know, facts don't matter, right? And you don't have that much time, and it's yeah. all ridiculous. And this by the way, theater. that reminds me. I beg your pardon. This is just theater. It and is if theater. Can't, if you can't, and he's run, not yeah. ready for that. Yeah. That's absolutely true. And that reminds me, by the way, when Biden was getting beaten up by Harris, he was the only candidate I've seen so far who, when his time was up, said, oh, I'm sorry, my time is up. Right. Obviously, they all talk over the time being up. Right. So the fact that he says that means he was uncomfortable with the line of questioning and he was totally unprepared. If, If I knew that something like that was coming at me, I would have a response that would not only answer it but would turn it around on the questioner and it would be something that I would be glad they asked. Like I would be licking my chops. You're ready to ask right. me that? I am so ready for it. And I and I don't even care about my time. Let them be going over the time. That goes to show Biden doesn't even have the passion that I have. And the last thing in the world I'd want to do is be president <laughs> of the United States. So that's not a good well, sign. There's so, another great, just, there's another great Joe, Joe moment. It's one of those things where they ask like the entire stage a question. I think it was on, uh, would you deport people simply for not, uh, would you deport people if they did not have proper immigration papers or something like that? And like, and Joe kind of like, he, he put his hand like half, like, he, 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 <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh. 
Like, like, <laughs> he doesn't that, know what that to was, do. That, yeah. that, that, that moment, I think, uh, that it just illustrated his entire night. Like, uh... So let's go to winners and losers. Yeah. In the long term, uh, who do you think comes out of this with some momentum? And who is going to really have a slog? And, and you don't have to name all of them, just the sure. ones that stand out to you. Well, the, the big winner is Kamala Harris. I mean, she she started out very strong in her campaign. She raised a lot of money. She's from California, which gives her a big advantage. Her campaign's pretty much been static since then. Uh, she's been overshadowed by by Bernie, by Biden, by even Buttigieg. And so her she is now the the uh, tied with Biden for the predicted uh, stock market now. She'd had a very good night. I think, just like I think Warren did the first night. Biden, I think, is dead in the water. I think we are seeing the end of Bernie, too. I I think that he has— he's Really? Probably, I, again, what does he have to offer that nobody else on stage has to offer? I mean, he's right. Elizabeth Warren without the historical nature of a first-win president and without the plans. So, again, if, if he's no longer the most extreme candidate on the stage— then, then what does he have to offer? And he, he just comes across as bitter. You know, he kept putting his finger up there trying to get more time. I don't think that, I, you know, I, I think that he was the low-key, uh, the less obvious loser because his message just, there's nothing new to it. Uh, I think it's a one-note performance. And I don't see that. He, he has to change things up and start really getting feisty uh, with others, especially Elizabeth Warren, I think, in order to, to be able to maintain that sort of lane that he he built for himself. I do not think it was a good night for him. As far as the rest go, I mean, I think for the, I think everyone else is pretty. I mean, yeah, Mayor Pete, he gets to play on. He, he's going to need a lot of help to to really make him, I think, a, a top candidate. But he gets to play on. Gillibrand did better than I was expecting. I mean, again, her campaign has been pretty much non-existent. She's been kind of down there at one percent. Uh, she she fought for every. I don't know if she was ever asked a question. It seems she just kept interrupting people and using that to to speak. I, I appreciate the aggressiveness there, though, because you kind of got to to jump your way in there. Uh, she, she's crazy, don't get me wrong, but I, I appreciate her playing the game. Um, everyone else, again, except for I, I, I do hope Marianne gets gets a few more debates just for my own personal entertainment. The rest are irrelevant. I mean, yet again, you had you had the the Bennetts and you had the Hickenloopers and you had the Swalwells trying their best to be somewhat relevant. And I just, I, I don't think any of them broke through. Um, so again, I think Harris is the big, big winner. Mayor Pete gets to play on. Gillibrand didn't hurt herself. I think Biden is done and Bernie needs to find a new game. Wow. All right. That's a very, very interesting assessment. I mean, I've been wondering about the Bernie thing myself, given his advanced age hmm. and given that he doesn't check very many diversity boxes. Yeah. It, it's not clear what the benefit of having him is, especially when he's been outflanked on the left in a way by yeah. Elizabeth Warren. So then what is the remaining allure, if anything other than sentimental value from four years ago? Yeah, I, I don't get it. That's all he got. It's 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 three-year-old nostalgia. And, um, and then he turned around and, and stabbed his followers in the back by endorsing Hillary. Yeah. Yeah, which I knew he would do. I I, I, told, I said from the beginning, uh, he's not one one hundred the man Ron Paul is. He'll turn right around and endorse her. Right, and the thing is, we that, have to defeat Donald Trump. That's the way he's going to think. Yeah, and and this, the the insanity of it is that it, it didn't buy him a single kernel of of cred or love from Hillary's staff. I mean, Hillary's staff was going out there as soon as he announced his campaign this time. You know, planting these stories about how Bernie Sanders, you know, Mister Working Class. Uh, with three houses, was flying private jets. It's like, so you, you had Hillary Clinton's own people 
attacking Bernie for flying around on private jets to do events for Hillary Clinton. Like this is the lack of, you know, they, they, the knives that were going to come out from the Hillary, the former Hillary people. And if it's the, the Hillary's people, Hillary's people cannot win a national election or find Wisconsin on a map, but they can hold a grudge better than anybody else in the United States. And so they were always going to find a way to destroy Bernie for what they see as as what he did to her last time around. Uh, but it's I don't think think it's even going to come to that because I, I think his his just going to lose the the energy that he had last time around. Um, again, you know what does he bring you that, that Elizabeth Warren doesn't? It's just I don't think there's much there. Yeah, this this is I I agree with you. I think this is all very plausible stuff you're saying about what's what's to come. And and, and this election again, and we kind of saw it play out last night. I mean, there's a little bit of butting heads on like the Medicare question, and mainly kind of came from like kind of the moderates in the group. I think what you're going to end up seeing is that this is going to be the most vile, personal political primary that we've ever seen because nobody who is a serious candidate to win this nomination is going to want to disagree on policy with anyone else because they don't want to downplay the left and they don't want to go out of their way to offend the sensibilities of some of the donor class. And so they're going to talk about all the areas where they agree on getting money out of politics and you know getting everyone health care and, and, and immigration for everyone. You know, they're going to ignore the minor policy differences and instead try to focus on the politics of self-destruction and finding the ways that either you know they're going to collect as many victim cards to try to play that game, or they're going to find a way. You know, the, the insensitivity of of the other of the rivals. I mean, it is going to be a nasty, personal, the, the sort of attacks that you never forgive in politics. And that is exactly why it is going to be, I think, an extremely entertaining primary leading up to the grand show of another Trump uh, general election. So I, I think that for, for people that can distance ourselves from the actual policies and, and the, the terrible ideas being thrown out there and instead simply enjoy the, uh, the circus and theater for what it is, uh, there's going to be a lot of laughs in store. Uh, we'll just see if, because if we're, if we're not laughing, they'll end up crying and that's not useful for anyone. Right. That's right. That's right. Well, thankfully, uh, with the help of you and Lou Rockwell, we've been doing more laughing than crying uh, in e- evaluating these debates. So I appreciate that. I want to, of course, urge people to check out the Mises Wire, which is one of the great reasons to visit Mises.org, M-I-S-E-S.org, the website of the Mises Institute, where you do such uh, great and important work on a daily basis. So thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. I had some a request to have you specifically oh. as the commentator. And I thought, yeah, doggone it. Let's get Tho on here. And I think it worked out uh, just splendidly. So thanks so much. Oh, it's a great honor, Tobey. Big shoes to fill, but uh, no, one, no one can. But I, I really appreciate coming on. All right, folks, that's going to do it for our episode for today. Don't forget to pick up that ebook. You know you want it over at aocisrong.com. And I'll see you next week. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time. Like the sound of The Tom Woods Show? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at Podsworth.com.